Funkateers, Bootsy here to bring the Truth and Rhythm family's attention to Funk Not Fight. Yeah, this is a call to action. We spread hope, not hate, uh, to gain satisfaction throughout our communities via the music uplifting unity. Uh, Peppermint Patty, tell us a little more. Thinker is our partner. Thinker music, that is. So please check the link that's scrolling across the bottom, click it, and submit your music. Let's all funk, funk not fight. Welcome back to the next part of this Truth and Rhythm episode. Be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends. Also become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon or consider donating at funkinstuff.net. Thank you so much for your interest and support. Enjoy. How, how did he get how did he get that deal with Motown? Uh actually uh the same person that signed Rick uh signed my brother who was uh Iris Gordy who was uh, Barry's niece. Uh she had knew about Splendor and 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 the situation with the Stone City Band, and uh, as he ended up taking her some some demos that we had done that you know hadn't gotten recorded, and uh, they snuck behind his back and signed him, <laughs> snuck behind Rick's back and then you know signed him because at that time in power he could have stopped it. You know, but it got past him, and he wasn't too happy about them signing him. But uh, by then, it was too late. So, <laughs> why? Because of the competition, or were there uh, bad well, feelings? Uh, it probably could have been a little bit of that, and also, like I said, you know, with him being uh, vindictive about things you know uh ego all of it you know all of the above yeah he was he at the time you know he could he could be very uh you know vindictive about things you know even uh stuff of not really importance you know but you know, a lot of artists are like that, or turn into that, or whatever. You know, 
start believing their own press releases and stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, that was around the time, you know, early 80s when he also, uh, you know, didn't like Prince and, you know, anyone who was competition, I think he was not into them and anyone who right. was outside of his little circle. That's, that's, that's <laughs> a big part of it because, you know, Prince used to open for Rick, you know, on, a, on his, uh, like, first tours and stuff. And and uh, always said it was stealing from him, and Prince was saying Rick was stealing from him. So you know, became uh, a lot of uh, <laughs> battles backstage. Of you know, so I don't know if like you said that's the business. Pulling, pulling uh, the power plugs out if you were on too long or, you know, <laughs> that type of thing. Uh, so was it always uh, the plan that Bobby would have a solo deal or was it going to be a band at first? I think after we kind of decided not to go forward with a, a Sex Splendor album, uh, they primarily offered him, you know, just the solo, solo deal, even though, you know, basically him and I did, uh, you know, all the keyboard stuff and we had basically just a guitar. Uh, I know on Groupie, she just a Groupie, uh, Ozone played uh, the horns on that and, uh, I said most of the, the parts are, are, are uh, keyboard parts. Some of them might sound like a guitar or something, but uh, primarily it was it was keyboards and uh, drum machines. <laughs> yeah, they got your credits show uh, the synthesizer and electric piano. Yeah, uh, we use a lot of Moog synthesizers i think profits was just coming out then because they were they were primarily like one of the first uh polyphonic synthesizers uh moog and all the rest of them were basically uh monophonic so you could only play one note at a time so you know a lot of times we were stacking uh keyboard parts you know, to, to get a full chord <laughs> to sound like a guitar or, you know, like that. But uh, it's, it was uh, hard work, you know, being in there sometimes for that length of time. Did, did you guys think, uh, feel like Groupie was going to be a hit? Kind of felt like, you know, uh, it should have been. You know, it had all the elements, uh, had the groove, you know, had the tempo, had the hook. In fact, Ozone just re-recorded it uh, a few months back, you know. I don't know why, but, uh, <laughs> you know, other than them playing, playing horns on it, you know, they decided to re-record it so well it hooked me i uh, mean i bought the record based on that track when i heard it so 
Um, yeah, and went to, who, went who, to number 15. Kind of swiped it too, you know. Who did? Uh, he, he came out with a song, you know, She's Just a Goofy or something to that effect. And, you know, if you listen to it, you can, you can tell. Uh, Wait, who, who, who did you, you cut out? Who, who, who did it? Oh, Snoop Dogg. Snoop, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, he uh, kind of borrowed uh, <laughs> a little bit from it. Yeah. BMI and uh, basically, well, it was Billboard uh, magazine that had an article uh, a few months back where uh, my brother has a lawsuit in, against the NFL and NBC because they used the uh, song he produced for the Jets, Rocket to You. They were using it between commercial breaks without his permission. So uh, he has a lawyer that's uh, in contact with them about that. But then Billboard also mentioned in that article about Snoop uh, kind of borrow and uh, she's just a goofy, you know. <laughs> so okay. we'll see what, see what happens with that, you know. On, on that first album, on that uh, Second to None album, which was a pretty cool title, I got to admit, Second to None. Um, yeah. Definitely felt, uh, we mentioned Prince. I definitely felt some Prince influence on that record, you know, with the synth funk oh, yeah. approach. Got to get up yeah. on it, especially. It was a lot of Prince feeling. Right. Yeah, got to get up on it. And um, Sexy Sassy also on there has, a, you know, a Prince falsetto uh, thing to it, you know, where... He was listening to Prince for sure, you know. But uh, we're trying to cover cover all the bases, you know. People thought that uh, he kind of like got groupy from Rick, but uh, that wasn't happening, you know. So I didn't need. Did, did Bobby do any shows uh, in support of that record? Uh. Not really. Uh, I know, like I said, most of most of uh, his stuff was, you know, just stuff he came up with himself. He may have sounded a little bit in 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 spots, but I said back then, you know, mostly everybody out of Buffalo sounded like each other to a certain extent. You know? But you guys, you guys didn't go on the road and do any, did you do any concerts? Uh, no, we didn't go on the road. He yeah, all he did, he ended up doing um, American Bandstand, uh, Thick of the Night. You remember Alan Thick? Yeah. Had a talk show before he got the uh, sitcom. He did groupie uh, on those shows. He did groupie on uh, Soul Train, Bandstand, and uh, I'm trying to remember. I know he did. Um, Do you look that good in the morning? On on uh, Thick of the Night. 
And uh, yeah, those are basically the shows he did. Yeah. Did Did you go with him or just him? I went. Yeah, I went to the you know filming of it and stuff because you know he was out there by himself. You know, but it it was it was a uh, it was a lot of fun. Never seen anything like you was pretty solid track also i thought yeah in fact i think that was uh the single or the, or the b-side i think of uh groupie yeah, yeah the yep. different taste you know different style of music really you know going from <laughs> when you start speaking of uh chord changes and stuff a lot of songs for so many years and decades were written in major keys. And uh, then they started using major sevenths in the keys, which gives it a, a prettier uh, sound, just adding one note, you know? And then somebody got the brilliant idea of using minors. So like, it got to a point where 80, 90% of the songs are all minors, written minors. I mean, you can get one with just one change in it, no bridge or, or chorus or anything, and it'd just be a minor chord, which uh, it's hard to find a song not written <laughs> in minor nowadays. You know, but it's minor gives you more freedom melody-wise than than major or major seventh major seventh will give you the prettiness major will just you know just give you like one six two five we call them ice cream changes which is all the old doo-wop songs were like uh ice cream change songs you could make a million different songs off of those four chords, <laughs> you know, just change the melody around. And uh, that's that's what was happening back in, in the 60s, you know, with the doo-wop, just uh, ice cream changes, you know. And it's still used uh, nowadays, just change, change a little bit around, like Saving All My Love For You by Whitney Houston. Uh, the verses, that's, uh, one six two five or ice cream changes, but uh, yeah, so until you get cats like Stevie, that can uh, <laughs> can give you all kind of different changes. Stevie, Gino Vanelli, uh, David Foster, uh, you know, so many great writers. How and, how, uh, how come? Uh... Bobby ended up only doing one more Motown record. Uh, I think we, I remember um, there's a couple of tracks on YouTube, uh, but basically uh, they got to the point where they you know, dropped him. You know, <laughs> you know the old, uh, you're not selling enough records routine, you know, so. Uh, uh, Barry decided to let him go. That's, you know, that happened to a lot of groups over there. You know, if you don't, if you don't produce what they consider uh, substantial sales, you're not around long, you know. 
you can get a get a one kind of a hit, and uh, you know, not much else you can do. Did, did you feel like, uh, you know, when that record was made, were you guys trying to kind of, you know, do a second version of the first record, or were you trying to take it in a new direction, or what? A uh, little bit of both. A little bit of both. I mean, he's always. Uh, Private Party was a, a little funkier than um, Second to None. It was, uh, it was probably uh, just trying to steer away from, you know, the same direction, trying to sound different, but trying to sound, uh, you know, uh, up or something that, you know, other people weren't doing basically like he's he's that type where he can write for other artists and and uh kind of narrow it down to the to the way they sound because he had written a couple of songs for uh philip and philip would give them to maurice in fact they were going to do rocket to you first and uh Waited around a little bit too long to where uh, MCA and the Jets gave him a, you know, a better deal where he got his, you know, publishing and and everything itself, which uh, he deserved because, you know, I mean, it, the song went to number five on the pop charts for the Jets and then it was like number one on a, a couple of the dance charts that type of thing you know so he deserved it uh hope he wins this nfl nbc suit <laughs> well what what were you doing musically um you know at the same time when bobby was doing his records or even after he stopped doing records right i was uh helping him on some of them and then uh trying to get into writing myself you know i started buying midi equipment then and and you know just trying to write <laughs> write songs myself you know every now and then i do something i, I did a, a couple of them actually back in my in my dad's garage other other artists were singing them or whatever but uh and then in la was uh kicking it with, you know, different singers and uh, trying to get them to, you know, hey man, here's, here's a track. You got some lyrics or melody. So yeah, I went through like a stage where I'd get up and just turn on my equipment and start putting ideas down, you know, just just trying to, to uh, write it's, it's not as easy as some people think, you know. <laughs> it's that's definitely a gift where people can just come up with ideas over and over again, and 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 they be be great. Like I said, some of my favorites: Gino Vanelli, naturally Stevie Wonder, uh, Tom Bell, and Linda Creed. They were uh, great writers. She she do the lyrics and he do the music, but he was 
great arranger, you know, doing all the Delphonics, stylistics, spinners, songs, you know. But uh, yeah, those, those are some of my favorites. Did, did you um, have aspirations to do music full time or was that sort of something that you wanted to do like part time or what was your where was your head at? Oh, once I got into it, that was about the only thing I could do, <laughs> you know, uh, and then I wasn't bad at it. So, you know, I, uh, I was still playing behind people or, or, or doing tracks for them, I could see where, you know, could be very lucrative. But uh, yeah, I'm not, I've never been much of a day gigger, you know? <laughs> I've had like a couple of jobs, you know, in my life, not many. Cause you know, music, about the, the best thing I could do, you know? So kind of stuck with that, you know? <laughs> Who, who's um, somebody that we might know that you've uh, been on the stage with? Hmm. On stage, well, well like I said, uh, a lot of people aren't familiar with them, but uh, the soft tones. When I was in Japan, I played uh, Behind the Miracles. They didn't have a keyboard player at the time. Uh, that's when um, Love Machine was out. Mm. We were opening for them uh i played behind charlie wilson from the gap band uh not a, oh yeah tevin campbell played uh, some gigs behind him oh yeah bobby womack also yeah uh he didn't have a bass player at the time. We did a, a gig in um, Delaware for a fight promoter, Butch Lewis, who was a real big, he was like the Don King of the East Coast, played uh, his birthday parties a couple of times and uh, played behind James Brown. There's a lot of them I've forgotten behind. I've worked with um, Grover Washington, you know, but Grover was from Buffalo too. So uh, when I was with uh, the vibe player, Johnny Lytell, he was in a car accident and had his jaw wired and, and ankle uh, calfed up and everything. So he was off. And so Grover did like a week with us down in uh, Chester, Pennsylvania and stuff. But yeah, you know, I sit back and think about it play behind a lot of people what was the Been james blessed. brown's circumstance oh that was uh, the same fight promoter i'm talking about when james uh got out of jail butch lewis he uh financed and produced the uh the show he did at the wilton the wilton theater down there on uh western and wilshire that was butch's uh uh, thing he did for James and then for uh, Butch's 50th birthday party he, in, in his backyard he had this huge tent erected so it was a vocalist from here 
that Butch used to manage and I used to play behind named Darkest Speed. So he flew us all down to his big house on the ocean and he had uh, the Whispers also on the show. And James came up, I think I play, had to play like about three songs behind him. Uh, there's a video on YouTube. <laughs> this is Butch Lewis's 50th birthday party. And uh, so it, it was scheduled, you know, for uh, James to do three, three songs. And at the same time, uh, Bobby Womack didn't have a bass player for the gig. So I play left hand bass on a keyboard. So I had to uh, play left hand bass uh, for, for Bobby Womack that night. And that was, that was a great experience too, yeah. Uh, so I worked three years uh, here at uh, the Fiesta Casino, uh, and uh, Barry Gordy's daughter Sherry Gordy would have a uh, take the stage thing every week, and different artists, you know, would 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 come up. But she's got a, a half daughter or half stepsister. Uh, Rhonda Ross, and uh, she came into town. I had to play behind her. Uh, Royal Hamilton Sr., Jr., actually, I had to play behind him. And uh, and I worked for George Hamilton, the actor. He had a club, worked for him. two, three years at his Cigar Martini Club in New York, New York. Did that with him. Uh, Different artists would come in, you know, there, smoke a cigar, have a martini, and, you know, Hmm. different people, Howard Hewitt. uh, I don't know, it's been, yeah. I sit back and write everything down. (laughs) Memoir. Yeah, how, how'd you book? When I changed my mind, I'm going to do do a video book, actually, where I can tell some of these these stories, you know, and tales. Being on the road with with jazz and being on the road with R and B, two different lifestyles. <laughs> How did you uh, feel about the Buffalo uh, Music Hall of Fame? Oh, great, great. Uh, I just wish my parents had still been alive, you know, to uh, been there for that, you know. But uh, I know they're looking down, they're proud. But, uh, yeah, that was a very, very nice accomplishment, you know. I haven't been back. It's been five years. I haven't been back since then. I want to go back. Many parts of uh, clubs that I used to play at uh, and that aren't there anymore, and different different stories. Play behind George Benson. I forgot. Uh, <laughs> if I keep thinking of it. Uh, I come up with some more. Yeah, the Hall of Fame. I was very proud of that. You know, 
fact, uh, Bob and Jean, they're in it too. In fact, they made it in like about a year or two years before I did. <laughs> yeah. I want to ask you, uh, I'd like to ask people to come on the show and hopefully you can uh, think of it, Billy. Um, if yeah. you can only pick five albums all time, what would be your five top albums? You know, if you were on a desert island, you can only have five records. What would they be? What were most important to you in your life? Hmm. Probably uh, the Jimmy Smith uh, bashing album that was on Verve Records with uh, Oliver Nelson, Big Band. That one, um, one of my favorites is uh, James Brown, Live at the Apollo. Uh, I don't want to I guess I would have to say Come Get It by Rick. Uh, and then even the Splendor, Splendor album. And, uh, hmm. I'll probably take any Gene Ovanelli album. Brother to Brother is probably my favorite. And then uh, Sneak, uh, Songs in the Key of Life, Stevie in there. That's a hard choice though. <laughs> you know, just five or six albums, yeah. Kind of kind of makes it like I'm prejudiced against <laughs> some of my my friends. But uh yeah, probably I, I could I could uh, deal with those. I was just talking about Gina Vanelli with another guest on the show and saying that he was so particular in the studio. Like, you know, he does a lot of takes and he's just really, really, uh, you know, choosy about what ends up being on his final recording. Well, I can imagine that. Yeah. I've never had the pleasure to meet him, but, uh, I mean, I've been listening to him since people got a move came out, which it has to be like the uh, early seventies. And, uh, you know, still listening to him. He's one of my greatest writers that uh, I really enjoy, you know. I sit down and learn some of his stuff. And maybe one day I'll sit in with him, <laughs> you know. Is that your but, bucket uh, bucket list right there to maybe sit in with him one time? Yeah, yeah that, could, that could be on, on the old bucket list. Yeah. yeah. In fact, I've, I've never met Stevie. You know, uh, not formally. I think I was at a NAM show one year and uh, we just happened to be parked a couple of cars from each other. But uh, yeah, I've, uh, I've been telling different friends uh, that know him, you know, that's on my bucket list for sure too, you know, which I hope takes place. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of them like I said, that I'd really like to meet. You got a lot of heroes. I just met uh, not too long ago, Teddy Riley, you know, and uh, he's one of my heroes. I, I was uh, blessed to play behind um, Eddie LeVert from the OJs. I put uh, some organ on, on a, a track on, on a solo album he's been working on. So, you know, somebody else I forgot. He's one of my heroes too. 
been around a long time. Yeah, supposedly doing the farewell tour right now. Yeah, because he lives out here. I know he had COVID not too long ago. So he had missed uh, a few shows. But that's who uh, Rick sounded like a lot on his ballads, on his slow ballads. Him and I were talking about that. Because everybody used to want to sound like Eddie back back in the, in the day when they when they first first came out you know on on them slow songs everybody wanted to sound like Eddie LeBert but you can you can hear the, the Rick influence on uh, fire and desire and and uh, happy he did with Tina Marie too and uh and that was a pleasure uh, being around and hanging with her too she she was very talented singer and writer. You know, I was back up in Motown with Rick when Iris uh, introduced Tina to to Rick. You know, he he didn't seem impressed at first, but uh, later on he did. <laughs> she was well, killing. I. I I heard, I mean, they say that he turned down possibly working with Diana Ross to do Tina Marie instead. Well, it's kind of like the opposite. That's why he kind of turned Tina down because he thought he was going to work with Diana Ross. That was, that was the, the thing at first. Yeah. No, he didn't, he didn't turn her down. <laughs> that was, that was uh, basically what he, was hoping was going to happen. That was, you know, some of the talk that was going around. Uh, I don't know whether she just changed her mind or, or what. I know Niall Rogers came in after after that talk, and uh, he he got her those couple of hits, upside down, and then uh, I'm coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Niall's Niall's a great writer too and uh yeah i would have liked to heard what rick would have done you know for her because after well i guess probably uh the temptations was the, the first like kind of big hit that he that he did of you know another artist that uh he got recognition for standing on the top and then uh he had the group out of buffalo processing the do-rags he did uh i think one or two albums on them but it didn't get a big big response you no. know no um staying on the top was a great track i like that one a lot yeah yeah that one, uh, even the uh, Eddie Murphy track, yeah. you know, party all the time. I mean, it was what it was, you know, and uh, turned, you know, turned out to be a hit for Eddie. Did you ever? Um, did you ever have any interaction with Rick uh, years later? In fact, yeah, uh, the last nine months before he passed away uh, him and tina came to uh 
Vegas came to the Aladdin and uh, hooked up backstage and, and, and uh, he wanted uh, to get the original Stone City band together for one more tour after he finished uh, the tour with Tina. And uh, I told him I knew how to, you know, he didn't know how to get in touch with any of them. I told him I knew how to get in touch with everybody. So those nine months, we, you know, of course, fine. I talk, call and talk to him, you know, every other week or once a week or something. And uh, we had to set up to start rehearsing in Buffalo. And uh, right before that, then he, he passed away. So uh, we all still ended up getting to Buffalo rehearsing and we used uh, one of the singers from Processing and Do-Rags, uh, Dennis Edwards, who they call him Shorty. And he, he did the, the, the uh, lead vocals uh, for Rick on the show. It was like uh, first show together since, you know, since he had hit it big and stuff. We did it in Buffalo. In fact, that's on YouTube also uh, at a place called The Sphere. And uh, it was a nice turnout, you know. So you can probably watch that video when you get a chance or something. <laughs> but uh, it was fun. And going back there, rehearsing, in the hot sun, you know how the humidity can be uh, back east and stuff. Buffalo is one of them in the, in the winter. That, that snow kill you. And in the summer, that humidity. humidity yeah. Woo! Sweating so like you, the next pig in line. Yeah. So you know Levi and... Uh... Um, oh yeah, Lenice and Levi all those guys. and I went to high school together. So now him and Rick knew each other because they grew up in the same vicinity of Buffalo. But I didn't know Rick growing up. But yeah, Levi and I went to the uh, same high school, Hutch Tech. In fact, uh, I still talk to him. You know, at least once or twice a week. He doesn't live that far from me, and. Uh, go over there and uh, kick it and laugh about some of the stuff in high school. Because we went to an all-boys high school, you know. And uh, we look back and we say, man, we didn't go to school with no girls. What was wrong with us? We out of our minds. <laughs> but yeah, that was fun. Yeah, Levi and, uh, well, Lorenzo, he lives out here. He was the drummer on uh, part one of uh, Come Get It, Lorenzo Shaw. Unfortunately, his brother that played bass passed away some years back in an auto accident when we lived in LA. But uh, yeah, a lot of memories. You know, but Levi, <laughs> he's got tales to tell too. I bet. You know, yeah, he's uh, kind of like this co-host, uh, this show that I'm, I'm working on uh, called None at One. And it's, uh, it's like a combination of uh, variety uh, tutorials, 
we'll be showing um, different people what we played on Rick's, you know, albums and stuff. And then he'll he'll have tales like like Charlie Murphy had. <laughs> but uh, he'll have a lot more of them because he 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 dealt with everybody from Tina to Mary Jane girls to uh, processing the do rags, you know. He was there for, for, for uh, all of that stuff. Uh, before we part ways, uh, is there something that you'd like to uh, uh, promote or, you know, um, get people to go check out? Or? I have my website that's uh, pretty chock full of uh, pictures and stuff. Uh, it's wwwbilly nun dot com and uh that's it and then the, the tv show will be none at one and you went in with the at sign o-n-e and uh actually uh the biography is called <laughs> in fact my mom used to always uh, have a saying that uh maybe i'll wait on that but <laughs> yeah i was uh gonna do the book and use her saying uh don't start me to lying was the name of uh the book and that was a saying she used to say all the time somebody would ask her something she she didn't know don't start me to lying you know so that was primarily the title I was going to use for uh, for my book, which you know, like I said, instead of a where you got to read it, it's going to be like an ebook or whatever. Yeah. With you know, yeah, with pictures and there are a lot of buffalo tales. <laughs> well, I like that, that phrase. Good. I like that phrase. I uh, I think it'll be you know be be nice sit down and, and and tell some of these stories instead of having people read them you know and uh, they're not going to be censored so i'll be able to you know talk the way i actually talk <laughs> you know had a tendency to cuss a lot and so that should be interesting <laughs> <laughs> well i look forward to that and, uh, you know, uh, definitely people should go back and check out Splendor and also uh, your website. And you're, yeah. still, you're still playing around Vegas? Yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, I got two of them this coming Sunday. One's a jazz and one's a, uh, I guess, like a Motown type stuff. Uh, they're doing... Martin Vandellas and you know that type of stuff, and then later that night I'll be doing uh, everything from Charde to uh, I don't know Ella Fitzgerald and you know that type of stuff. But like most of it, you can uh, get on YouTube. Like I said, I got a, a bunch of videos on YouTube. With the Charlie Wilson, uh, George Benson, a uh, lot of stuff, a lot of pictures. Cool. Too. Look for yeah. that. Yeah. What's what's so, your brother? What's your brother up to these days? 
Uh, he's still just writing. He's always, you know, writing songs, you know, recording. I mean, he's got a a bunch of uh, stuff in the, like we say, in the garage, you know, tracks that uh, either somebody, he wants somebody else to do, or he may end up doing them himself. Like, like I always tell him, man, just release them, uh, make up a name. Doesn't have to be you, you know, and then people, people be guessing who it is, you know, who is that, who is that? you know. But he's got so much stuff. He's like, you know, Prince had all his stuff in, in, in the garage, as they say, and Stevie. I said, you know, you might as well release some of it. <laughs> he told me a few sometimes, like, you know, like how Maurice got mad at him because he let the Jets do Rocket to You. And and so he wrote wrote another song for Warner Fire, but he didn't even want to want to hear it or, or talk to her no more and stuff. He was he was kind of pissed. <laughs> Are some but, of his you know, songs on Philip Bailey records though, like you had mentioned? There's a couple. Yeah, in fact, uh, one of them won a, a Grammy. Uh, Phillips um, gospel album. I think it's called Triumph. Uh, he won a Grammy for that one. Uh, then there's uh, a the club, I think. Here's a, I think Philip did like about two or three solo albums. Uh, and he wrote, he co-wrote uh, this one called um, Long Distance Love that uh, he wrote herself, and it's it's on one of Phillips, Phillips albums. Uh, he he writes the music. Bass. He writes the music or the lyrics or both. Uh, both. Both of them, yeah. Like he'll write the chord changes. Like I write, I don't read notes. Uh, he doesn't read notes either, but uh, he can put the chord changes down and stuff. In fact, one of the albums I think uh, now produced. I'm trying to remember which one. Yeah, I think now Rogers produced uh, one of Phillips. But yeah, he's got about two or three songs on uh, on on his albums that are pretty good. Especially, uh, like I said, the one that really comes to mind is "Long Distance Love." And uh, I got pneumonia last year, so it kind of threw me off. Oh, wow. You know, I didn't get COVID, thank God, but uh, I'm just really getting, you know, getting my, my, my health back together. You know, took me for a loop for a minute, but uh, I'm doing great now. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. So, All right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good getting to know you a little bit, Billy. Yeah, yeah. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Truth and Rhythm. A big thank you goes out to our guest as well as to you, the viewer and listener. Also, much gratitude to Pleasure for supplying the show's funky opening and closing music. As a reminder, you can always access the complete list of linked shows 
by episode at funkinstuff.net. I urge you to support this program and receive the extra benefits along with that by subscribing to the Funk and Stuff channel on YouTube and sharing it with funk, R&B, and jazz lovers, joining Truth and Rhythm's membership program at Patreon, submitting a donation at funkandstuff.net, buying Everything is on the One, the first guide to funk book at Amazon, shopping at the Funky Things store for cool merchandise at funkandstuff.net, and linking through funkandstuff.net for all of your Amazon purchases. In addition, if you're an artist or anyone seeking proven, results-oriented, professional marketing, PR, writing, or editing consultation or production, check out the media services section at funkinstuff.net. Also, I encourage you to drop me a line at scottg at funkinstuff.net. I love the feedback, suggestions, guest requests, appearance and sponsorship inquiries, and just talking about my favorite subject, groove-based music. For now, and as always, this is Scott Dr. GX Goldfine saying, keep on keep vibing, on vibing to the rhythm of the one.